Well, good morning. I heard a couple days on the radio that um, Thanksgiving is this Thursday. And uh, unfortunately, I don't have a uh, Thanksgiving message for you this morning, except the fact that uh, we are called to give thanks 365 days a year, and not just once. I do, however, believe that uh, we should have a Thanksgiving feast every day as well. Um, I, I heard on the radio that um, Thanksgiving is the day that Americans will blame um, them for being overweight. They blame that, that one day for them being overweight. So the way I see it is if we had a Thanksgiving feast every day, we wouldn't have an overweight America, we just have a very thankful America. And so uh, perhaps we can put that into practice. But uh, turn with me to Colossians, if you would. Colossians chapter 3. Uh, we're going to be speaking of uh, fellowship this morning. And we remembered uh, this morning the love of Christ. Um, this morning I would like to look at fellowship and how that love of Christ uh, should urge us to have love for one another. I believe that the church is failing in many areas. Uh, I know that I am failing in many areas, and perhaps one of the areas in which we are failing um, is the lack of love for one another in the church. Um, we need to ask ourselves, why is it so hard for us to want to be around each other apart from Sunday? Um, we have all these activities. We have brigades. We have Awanas. We have prayer meeting. Um, we have the, the 20 minutes between each service on Sunday. Um, but apart from that, we have no fellowship uh, because simply... It's hard for us to be around each other. Why is that? Why are there so many divisions inside the church today? Between brothers and sisters, we see divisions over these little things. I believe it's because there's a lack of love or a need for more love, perhaps. But in Colossians chapter 3, Paul at this time is writing a letter, to, we know, to the church in Colos, if I pronounce that right. But at this time, he's addressing many things that are going on. Um, at this time, there are a lot of false doctrines being taught. There's a lot of false philosophies being taught. Um, there, there's this heresy that would later on be referred to as Gnosticism. I will do my best to explain what that means. Just don't ask me to spell it. Um, uh, but Gnosticism, inside Gnosticism, two things were mainly taught. Uh, the first being that God did not create the world. Uh, they believed that because the world is bad and because God is good, God obviously couldn't have created the world. Um, and so they believed that some angels or some lower God created the universe. They also believed that the Lord Jesus um, did not come down in a physical body. And so there are, there are a lot of problems going on at this time. And if you were to look at um, Colossians chapter 1 and verse 15, uh, he addresses it right off the bat. He says, he is the image. We know he's speaking of Christ. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him, and he's before all things, and in him all things consist. And so he really nips that in the bud. Right after the greeting, really, he, he throws it out there. Um, Christ is the creator. Um, but anyways, in, um, in chapter 3, um, Paul speaks out. In the, speakers, in the chapters before this, he speaks out against uh, Gnosticism, which we just read. Uh, he speaks out against the philosophy that's been teached in the church, or taught in the church. Um, he speaks out against legalism in chapter 2. And now we move on to uh, how he speaks out against carnality in the church. Um, we are going to work up to this idea of later on in chapter 3 
um, he describes the character of the new man, uh, who we are once we become saved, and we see that um, in the characteristics of the new man, the number one thing is love. So we're going to kind of build up to that, and then we're going to take a look in First uh, John, where many of us read this morning in the breaking of bread. But in Colossians chapter 3, um, we'll read just a couple verses. It says, if then you were raised with Christ. Now, uh, in the original uh, text, it should really be read, uh, since then. Since then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. And set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth, for you died and your life is hidden in Christ. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And so as he's speaking out against um, carnality in the church, he lists three things that all believers should focus on. Um, the first one being to seek those things above. Uh, second being to set your mind on things above. Uh, my grandfather always tells me, keep looking up. Uh, because if you think about it, Peter, and we have the same tendency to look around. We, we, we see the problems in our lives today. We see the difficulties, the struggles. We look around and we lose faith just as Peter did. But if we keep our eyes up on Christ and we focus on him, then we won't have to struggle with that. Um, and if that isn't enough, he says um, to, to focus on the day when Christ appears, for we will appear with him in glory. Um, I think it's just uh, interesting when you look at the church today, and we know that two things last for all of eternity, uh, God's word and God's people. Um, and, and he's promised that in his word. And yet, if you look at your personal life, if you look at my personal life, you see that we are pouring ourselves into things that really do not matter. Uh, they'll last, say, we live 100 years, which I personally hope I don't. I'm more of a, a 65, 70, I think that's a, that's a prime age. Um, <laughs> uh, but um, if, say, we lived 100 years and, and we pour ourselves into our careers, uh, we pour ourselves into our businesses uh, so that we can have that house. I'd love to have, buy a house, uh, fix it up someday. I'd love to have a family, I'd love to have a car. I love to have all of these things, but really, in all of reality, it won't last. It's pointless. So the question we have to ask ourselves is, what are we pouring ourselves into? What, are, what is our mind set on? Um, it, it should be set on two things, God's word and God's people. And if it isn't, then I, th I think there's a problem. These are, th these are things that are necessary. We, we must work. Uh, he's made that clear. We must work. We must provide for our families. But in um, Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, don't turn there. It says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so what are we setting our, what, what is our mind set on? Um, what are we seeking in this life? Um, and we'll continue reading in verse 5. It says, uh, Therefore put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in, uh, lived in them. Let's just pray once more. Uh, our dear Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this time that you've allowed us, Father, to come before you and open your word. Father, I personally thank you for um, using me, <laughs> using me, an unworthy man, Father, to speak to your people. Um, but Father, I would ask that this morning Nick Weaver would not have one word to say, but Father, that this time would be filled with the words of your spirit. 
Father, I would ask that you would speak to our hearts. Uh, help us see the faults in our lives. Father, that we may be more like your son. Uh, we just commit this time to you in your hands. Amen. Okay. Uh, so, we'll read that once more. It says, Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Uh, because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. Um, it, it's amazing to me. Um, I met with Justin on Friday night, and uh, we were just going over Colossians, and uh, he said that if, if you were to look at all the things that have been taught in the church, you'd see that we have so many teachings in Ephesians, but very little in Colossians. And the reason for that being is uh, apparently 70% of uh, Colossians is actually mentioned in Ephesians. Uh, and so they're, they're really uh, overviews of each other. But uh, in both Colossians and Ephesians, in, Col in Ephesians chapter uh, 2, uh, he refers to the, uh, the people before they were believers as the sons of disobedience. Um, it's amazing to me that we who were once referred to as the sons of disobedience can now be called the sons of God. Uh, it's, just, it's just absolutely amazing. But uh, he describes uh, the desires of... Um, the, the carnal man, passion, evil desire, covetousness, idolatry. Um, and he says, because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience because of all the sin. I think uh, it, it's, it's sad when you look at many Christians today and you see them living the life that they were before they came to Christ. I, I've come across so many uh, young people in my life, uh, whether it's at camp or at church events, whatever it may be, these people who... Um, claim to have grown up in a Christian home. They can tell you uh, the gospel verses backwards and forwards. Um, they claim to have been saved for years, and yet there, there's no change in their life. Um, it's something that I personally had to guard myself against, and, and the Lord has really um, protected me from the things of this world. And I know that that is because of the prayers of my parents, but um, we must observe our lives and ask ourselves, do these descriptions fit my life? Because if we are to, to be sanctified from this world and yet we're living the same exact life that the, 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 the unbelievers are living, how are we to be a good testimony for the Lord? Um, so that's what we can take from this. Um, uh, verse 8. Uh, now you yourselves are to put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth, do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge, according to the image of him who, is created, who, who created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Uh, so he describes um, in, in, in verse uh, nine, he says, put off the old man. The idea of this passage is literally to unclothe yourself, take off the old clothes, and to put on the new. That, that is, that is uh, the literal idea, if you were to look uh, that up in, um, in the original text. Um, but but verse, um, verse nine and 10, it says, do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man. Um, this should be done, this, should, this takes place at the moment of salvation, at the moment we place our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Be, all, all things, uh, the old things have passed away, behold, all things have become new, as, as, we, always, as we always quote. 
those who are in Christ Jesus are a new creation, right? Uh, but in the practical sense, we have to put off the old man, as it were, the, 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 the desires that, that we had before, um, and to put on the new man. A couple of years ago, when I was about 16, I believe it was, um, Teeny uh, got me uh, jeans for Christmas. And when I was 16, I went through this phase where the only jeans I would wear was Wrangler jeans. Uh, nothing but the best for me. Um, <laughs> for those of you that don't know, Wrangler jeans are the ones you buy at Walmart for $15. And that's why I really like them. Uh, they got the job done, 15 bucks. Um, you know, my sister, I grew up being around my sisters will pay $50 for a pair of jeans. For, to me, I can't justify that in my mind. Uh, but anyways, my sisters hated these Wrangler jeans. And so finally, Teeny bought me these Wrangler jeans. Very nice jeans, uh, some fancy named brand. Um, but it took me until the very next Christmas, after the next Christmas, the, the year following, it took me until after then to actually put the jeans on. Um, I, I think perhaps maybe I wanted to wear out the old ones. I try and make excuses in my mind. But I remember Teeny, the first time I wore them, she came up to me and said, Nick, what took you so long to put those jeans on? And I couldn't give, I couldn't give a reason. But I wish, I, I wish we had an opportunity to look at the priestly garments in the Old Testament because um, in order for the priest, priests to do their works, they, they had to have special clothing um, and, and, and so on and so forth. I wish we had time to look at that. But as we are now priests of God, it is almost as if the Lord has given us these, these garments to wear. And yet how often are we still wearing our old jeans? How often um, do we find ourselves wearing these jeans when we have new ones? When we have these fancy jeans that, you know. <laughs> um, so in the practical sense, we need to put off the old man every day and to put on the new, uh, to literally put on the new man. Um, anyways, uh, and now we're, we're looking, you guys probably think, well, when are we going to talk about fellowship? We're, we're getting there. But in, chap in uh, verse 12, he then to begins to describe the character of the new man. Um, in verse 12, he says, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must also do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And so what we'll do is we'll, we'll take each word that he describes and we'll look at it and try and uh, see if this description fits our life. Um, he starts off by saying, therefore is the elect of God. Who's the elect of God? Uh, well, it's those who have already placed their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus. Um, so this, this, this really only applies to those uh, who are saved. Um, he says, put on tender mercies. Uh, some, some translations will read bowels of mercy. I love that. But it speaks of a heart of compassion. Um, you will find that when you, when you read these descriptions, you cannot help but think of the Lord Jesus and how he was full of tender mercy, uh, bowels of mercy. Uh, the second being kindness, which speaks of unselfish spirit of doing for others. Unselfish spirit of doing for others. Um, humility which speaks of lowliness, the willingness to be humbled so that others may be, be esteemed. Um, Christ took the lowly position. Uh, he came in the form of a bondservant. 
that we might, um, that we might be saved through him. Uh, he took the lowly position to esteem others. Um, he, he esteemed others better than himself. Meekness. Um, oftentimes, meekness is described in a negative way. Um, meekness does not speak of weakness. In fact, Christ was, was uh, described in, in, in many places as a meek man. Um, meekness um, speaks of the strength to deny oneself and to walk in grace toward all men. The strength to deny oneself and to walk in grace toward all men. Uh, put on long-suffering, long perhaps your translation reads patience. Um, long-suffering, uh, which obviously speaks of patience with someone. How often do we get impatient with one another? Um, how often are we not kind to one another? Um, how often are we not ourselves humble to esteem one another? Um, these are all keys to fellowship. And I think the reason why perhaps we have so many issues in the church is because we do not put on the new man. Uh, we are not humble within ourselves. Um, uh, but he goes on in verse 14. It says, but above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. If you were to think of, of this new man as uh, literal articles of clothing, you would think of the, uh, the love being the belt or the outer garment that holds all things together. Um, why is love the perfect bond of perfection, or the, the bond of perfection? Um, why? Well, because if I, I can stand up here and pretend to be humble, I can be kind to you, I can, I can pretend to be meek, I can pretend to do all these things, but if I do not do it out of love, and, and um, if I do not do it out of love, it is, it is pointless. It is not real, it is not genuine. Um, Actually, we skipped some, but uh, he, in verse 13, part of me, he says, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. Um, these two, to me, are, are just so difficult. Um, and, and I think so many people uh, find it hard to forgive one another. Um, sometimes forgiving someone means, uh, even though you know you're right, because for me personally, I'm not going to apologize if I'm right. Does that make sense? Why would I apologize if they're wrong? Well, sometimes forgiving someone, I think I might get that from my mom, but sometimes for, <laughs> just kidding, I love you. Um, <laughs> but sometimes forgiving someone might mean um, to ask for forgiveness, meaning maybe when, when you're right, and you know you're right, but to restore the fellowship that we have, that bond with one another. We have to take the lowly position. We have to humble ourselves to ask for forgiveness. Um, praise God that the Lord Jesus, as he's hanging there on the cross, wasn't thinking, well, they deserve it, you know? But he said, he cries out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And we should take on that, that same, that same um, thought process. Forgive them. They're wrong, but Father, forgive them. I might be right, but forgive them. Um, to, but put on love, which is the bond of perfection. We need to remember when we think of the, the quarrels we might have with one another, we need to remember that no one has ever wronged us. No one could ever wrong us more than we've wronged the Lord. And he says, um, but above all the, uh, sorry, 
If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must also do. And the idea here is regardless of what this person might have done against me, I've been forgiven by Christ. And no matter what this person has done, done to me or against me, there's no way that they could have wronged me more than I've wronged the Lord. And we need to remember that. Um, as, as we think upon love this morning and the love that we are to have for one another, uh, we need to remember that if we are children of, of, of God and we know that God is love, then we must love one another. Um, and it's the same thing. If God has forgiven us of all of our iniquities, all of our sins, then we, then we should forgive one another as well. Uh, but he continues um, in verse 15. It says, Let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Uh, as me and Justin were going over this, he, he kind of said, even if you do all of these things, it, could still, it, it would still be rough. It would still be difficult. This isn't some magical recipe to some magical, easy life. If I'm humble, if I'm meek, if I'm kind, then things will just get easier. And that's not true. Um, but let the peace of God rule in your hearts. And we must, we must look at um, the, the, second, the second part of this verse, to which you were called in one body. Um, if you think about peace, uh, one of the most peaceful places for me is Yosemite. Uh, I love Yosemite. I love going there every year. Um, I love being in the mountains. I love the fact that uh, I don't have cell phone reception. Um, I have peace. Um, peace could be, perhaps, uh, going in the mountains away from the body and having peace. Just, just you and your family, yourself, you have peace. But that was not God's design. That was not God's intent. We are one body. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts in one body and be thankful. He continues, it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Um, like I said, Colossians and Ephesians are very similar. Uh, in Ephesians, oh, let's see, I think I wrote it down. Uh, in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18, uh, he describes a spirit-filled man, and he says, Do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord. Uh, here, he's describing the word of the Lord being filled in a man, and his response is also to praise the Lord. Um, it's interesting, if, if you were to to look at your life, uh, perhaps on a weekly basis, and ask yourself, what have I been singing? Uh, my grandfather, who uh, I admire very much for obvious reasons, um, but he always sings hymns. Uh, I love it about him. Uh, sometimes I'll be uh, at the table just doing schoolwork or whatever, and he'll just be sitting in the living room. No one's around. The room is perfectly quiet. And then all of a sudden he'll start singing, Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know. Fills my every longing, keeps me singing as I go. What are you singing? I think there's something in that. If, I, if, I'm, if I'm stuck here just singing the, 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 the songs of the world over and over and over again, that tells me what's inside. Are we filled with the Spirit? Are we filled with the Word of God? And as a result of that, it is always to praise the Lord. Um, 
Very interesting. What are you singing? What are you singing on a daily basis? Uh, so now let's take that thought of love, love being the perfect, uh, the bond of perfection. Turn to 1 John, if you would. 1 John chapter 3. When David got up this morning and said 1 John chapter 3, I kind of held my breath because we will be looking at 1 John uh, starting with verse 16, and we'll be working our way through this. Um, but at this time, uh, John is also writing to the church um, the church is in Asia Minor, and at this time, this church is going through uh, the same struggles that the church in Colossus is going through. Uh, there is a problem with Gnosticism there, but this letter was written much later, and the, the problems have kind of elevated. Um, um, and, and, and John is addressing uh, the heresy that is being uh, taught um, at this time. Another difficult word for me to say, uh, Sorinthianism. I think I'm saying that. Right? Perhaps someone can correct me later, but Sorinthianism. Um, this was another heresy that was being taught at the church. Um, it was a heresy that taught that Jesus Christ, very interesting, was just a man who descended on him, or who Christ, who the Christ descended on him uh, when he was baptized. Uh, very interesting. They also were teaching that the Christ departed from this man just before the crucifixion. Very, very interesting. And so what you have here is this man named Jesus hanging on the cross, in, in their minds, hanging on the cross, um, which appeared to be the Christ, which really wasn't. And so, so John is, is, is writing to these people, and the difficult thing to wrap your head around is that people were believing this. Um, and the problem with this is if you believe this, this teaching, then you're not saved. Because if, if it's just some man hanging on a cross, then... then after that man dies, we'd be in the same exact state that we were before. Um, we'd still be sinners in need of a savior. And so, so John is addressing this, and um, they also believe that, that, that Christ um, didn't come down in a physical body and so on and so forth, um, which is why he uses, in, in 1 John chapter 1, verse 1, he says, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled. He reminds him, that, that he's teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ, whom he has seen personally, whom he has touched, whom he has heard, whom he has looked upon, this physical man. And you'll find this throughout the book of First uh, John, chapter 4, verse 2. It says, By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And so he tells them, if anyone comes in teaching that, that the Lord Jesus did not come down in flesh, don't listen to him because he's not right. And, and he is not of God. Uh, chapter 5, verse 6, it says, This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not only by water, but by water and blood. By water and blood. Um, so he kind of, he talks about this throughout the whole book, just kind of like an overview of the book or um, just kind of a description. But in 1 John, chapter 3, we're going to be thinking about love. Um, we thought upon the Lord Jesus and his love for us this morning. We're going to look at this portion and see how that love, which he showed, showed to us, displayed for us on the cross of Calvary, should urge us to love one another. Um, in 1 John chapter 3, starting in verse 16, he says, By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in needs, and shuts up his heart from him, 
How does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Uh, John reminds the people here that love is a word of action. Uh, there's so many married people here, perhaps you know this more than I do, if, if your spouse tells you every day that they love you and yet they, show nothing, they do nothing to show that, there'd be a problem. Um, I can say, oh, I love you all day long, but it's a word of action. You have to act upon it. Um, and so he reminds them, uh, and just, just a thought, praise the Lord that when he saw us in need, he did not uh, close up his heart from us. Um, he saw us in need. He said that he loved us and he proved it, just as we should for one another. Um, he goes on to say, if your brother is in need, um, if you see your brother in need, um, to me, the sad thing is, is that we hide our needs from one another. Um, I, I don't know why, uh, but I do this in my personal life. When we get together, someone might ask me, well, how are you doing, Nick? I'll say, oh, I'm doing great. Praise the Lord. Um, <laughs> but that's not necessarily true all the time. And if we are called to bear one another's burdens, if we are called to, 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 to pray for one another, how can we do so if we don't know what's going on with each other? And that's where I think we're lacking. We aren't honest with each other. And I think the reason because of that is because we do not trust one another. Uh, listen, if, if I have needs in my life and I had them from you, it's one of two things. Either I don't trust you or I think that I'm the only person going through these struggles and you can't help me. The problem is all of us are struggling. And I... As me and Justin were talking, there's a reason why all of us are struggling. Um, we need to face life together. Um, we hide our needs from one another. We do not trust one another because we do not spend time together. Um, you're not just going to walk up to some man on the street and, and confess all of your life problems to him because you don't trust him, and that would be kind of strange to do anyways. Um, and it's the same thing. We don't spend enough time together to trust one another. Um, we see each other on Sunday mornings. How was your week? Oh, it's great. How's work going? It's great. Praise the Lord. All right. See you next Sunday. There's a problem. Because the assemblies in particular take pride in the fact that we are brothers and sisters in Christ. In fact, I, I, I don't, I, I've never heard a church throw around those words, brother and sister. Amen, brother. Amen, sister. More than the assemblies. And yet... We do not act like brothers and sisters. Um, what kind of brother would I be to my sisters, who I really love? I, I love my entire family, my cousins. Uh, but what kind of brother would I be if I, I didn't care, or if I didn't ask how they were doing, or, or if they came to me and said, I need prayer for this? Uh, Lacey, I love Lacey. Uh, she, she, out of all my sisters, comes to me and just says, I need prayer for this. And out of all my sisters, I have, I have some kind of connection. I'm not trying to talk bad against all my other sisters, but um, we, we have a bond, a bond that I think we all should have. We trust one another. This is my struggles. Please pray. This is my struggles. Pray for me. And then we ask each other throughout the week, you know, have you gotten any answers yet? Well, I've been praying. We need to, to spend time together so that we can trust one another. Because if we don't trust one another, we won't confess what's going on in our lives together. We need to help one another through um, this life. Um, 
And I, th I, think, I think that's how we let ourselves get so busy. Um, I'm busy with school. I work 40 hours a week, thanks to the McKays. I, I, I'm busy with school. It's, it's hard for me to, to come to every meeting. It's hard for me to uh, spend time with each and every one of you. But if, if that's what's hindering us from spending time together, perhaps we should let some things go. And it goes back to what are you pouring yourself into? If you're pouring yourself into things that don't matter, your work, um, although it is necessary, your business, um, it, 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 we need to let things go so that we can uh, spend some time together. Uh, but anyways, uh, verse 20, we'll, we'll continue going through this, running out of time, but verse 20, it says, for if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. Um, there, there are two, trans, uh, there are two um, interpretations of this verse. Uh, the first one being, if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart in the sense uh, that he is greater in compassion. Uh, we might feel unworthy at times. Um, yet God knows um, that we love him and that we love his people. Uh, he knows that we are his despite of all our fears, all of our failures, all of our insecurities. Uh, the second one being, if our heart condemns us, and both of these are true, if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart in the sense of judgment. Uh, basically, that we don't know all of our sins, we cannot comprehend them, but God knows them fully and completely. He knows all that there is to blame in us, whereas we only know them in part. And I loved what Justin read this morning. I'll just read the last verse. He says, therefore, I say to you, this is the woman who comes before the Lord Jesus, weeps, um, washes uh, his feet with her, her, her tears and, and her hair. And, and he says, therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. And I almost wish that we could comprehend every sin that was paid for on the cross. Because we see this woman, um, this woman who, who was a sinner, obviously. She felt conviction of her sin. Yet she came to the Lord Jesus weeping. She placed her faith in him and she was forgiven. Um, but she did not know each and every sin that she had committed. And yet you see all the sin that she had committed in her life that she had, that she had memory of. And, 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 and the, the result was humility. The result was faith. The result was forgiveness. Uh, the result was love for his Savior, or for her Savior. And if, if we could comprehend and have a memory of, of, of all of our sin and all that we are forgiven of, um, there would be such a great love, such a great love that we would have for each other, um, for our Savior. Um, but greater... Uh, but God is greater than our heart in the sense of judgment. Basically, that we do not know all of our sins. We cannot comprehend them, but God knows them fully and completely. He knows all that there is to blame in us, whereas we only know them in part. Praise the Lord. Um, in verse 22, um, just wrapping things up. Whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do those things which are pleasing in his sight. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. This is something we don't think of 
Um, this is my commandment that you love one another. This is not an option. It's not a suggestion. It's not something that we should do simply because it's nice and it'll make, it, make us feel good. It's a commandment from God. And to not love one another, to not walk in a way that is loving to one another is disobedient to the Lord. And although uh, we often think of the sin in our life, perhaps it's a covetousness, whether it's pornography, whether it's um, mumbling under our breath, whatever it is, we think of these as sin, but we do not associate uh, the disobedience to the Lord's commandment uh, to love one another. Uh, we need to realize, and we need to come to a point of realization that this is not a, a, a suggestion. It's a commandment to the Lord to love one another. Um, in John 15, 12, um, he says, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. In John 13, 35, it says, By this all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Uh, if we have love for one another. It's interesting that the love that we have for one another should sanctify us from the rest of the world. And yet you ask, uh, you ask um, a survey went out that I had heard of. They were asking questions on the church. What, what is your view on the Christian church? And the number one answer out of all these people they asked, the number one thing was that the church is a building full of hypocrites. Full of hypocrites. Why? Perhaps it's because we preach one thing on Sunday and then we live something else on Monday. Or perhaps it's because we just don't love each other. Our love for one another should sanctify us from the rest of the world. Someone should be able to walk into this building, someone who is unsaved, look upon us and see the love that we have for one another and think, what is this? I've never seen this before. And yet, it's a building full of hypocrites. It breaks my heart. Um, and, and the fact of the matter is, how can we call ourselves the children of God, the God of love, and yet we don't love each other? He later on goes on to say in, in, in the next chapter, in uh, chapter 5 and uh, verse 3, it says, For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. It's not hard. It shouldn't be hard for us to love one another. Why? Because if we consider all that, that Christ has done for us and the love that he showed for us, our response should be to love one another and to love one another as Christ loved us. That should be our response. So perhaps we should take a step back and ask ourselves, why? Why is it so hard for us to be around each other? Why is it so hard for us to want to be around each other apart from Sundays, apart from Tuesdays, apart from, from Wednesdays? I'm listening, listening practically every day of the week, but the problem is when we're with each other, it's like we aren't, if that makes sense. We're with each other, but... We don't talk to each other in the sense where this is what I'm struggling with. I need help with this. How, what, can I, what can I help you with? Uh, instead, our conversations are shallow. Uh, it never gets past, how was your week? How's work going? So why? Why is it so hard for us to be around each other? Is it our busy schedule? What is it? Um, why is it that we would rather be in the world than with each other? Um, I, I hear so many people say, um, Oh, I don't want to go to church because perhaps I could do this with my friends. Um, I could be watching this on TV. Why is it that we would rather do the things of the world 
and be with each other. Um, why is it that there is no desire to be around each other apart from Sundays? These are just questions we should take a step back and ask. Are we loving one another as Christ loved us? Uh, we'll get out of here a couple minutes early. Um, these things, I, I speak because these are the things that I've been convicted of in my life. Um, I, I hope that perhaps it doesn't apply to each and every one of you here this morning, but it applies to me. And I know that for me personally, I need to take a step back, observe my life, and ask, what's the problem? What's the problem? Why am I not loving my brothers and sisters in Christ? With that, we'll just close in prayer. Uh, our dear Heavenly Father, uh, we do thank you for this time that you've allowed us to come together. Father, to open your word. Uh, Father, we've seen all the things that you have saved us from. Uh, darkness. Uh, you saved us from ourselves, from our sin. Uh, and yet, Father, you ask us, you command us to love one another as you have loved us. Father, this shouldn't be hard for us to do, but it is. Father, we would ask that you would show us why. Father, we ask that we would not walk out of here being the same person, having the same attitude toward one another. But, Father, we would ask that we would be more like your son and that we would love more like your son. Father, that the love we have for one another should sanctify us, should set us apart from the rest of this world. Father, we commit the rest of this week to you. We commit our, our, our lives to you. And we ask for your guidance, Father. And in your son's name we pray. Amen.